In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of The Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Isn't that they had? Because, Ellen, I can say this, and you didn't get to where you ultimately want to go with that team, but I will say this. Of all the teams that I was around, and I was around them a little bit in the playoffs, they were absolutely the most entertaining of any of the teams. And to me, that means something, right? It means something to me, too. Absolutely. Yeah. So speaking of entertaining, I want to I, I just tell on you that I was so looking forward to seeing your new movie heard um, in Boston. And I, I wasn't able to the last minute, but I, I've only heard great, great things. So I want you to tell everyone out of the gate, because this is this is really important. We 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 always love talking to you about baseball. But I like listen, I like talking about everything, everything. So oh, so tell so tell me so tell me a little bit about A about hurt and B like much like a book promotion or anything there's the doing it there's the it's coming out there's the after it's coming out how's everything going with it Yeah it, you know what it's been a real bright spot for me in in a year that has been difficult for a lot of folks in the entertainment industry is to have gotten the interim agreement with SAG um to be able to promote this movie and partly that's just because this movie really means a lot to me I think it's it's a really special little film it is for anybody who has not heard about it um it is spelled h e r d um for sort of herd of zombies or herd mentality it is a thoughtful zombie film um it is sort of virus based zombies so it's kind of you know dabbling in that particular type of dystopia and i think that really the focus of the film um which i say for people who are like, oh, I don't know if I can do a zombie movie. And also people who are like, yes, I want 90 minutes of nonstop <laughs> zombies. For both of those people, I want to say that it's, it's a story that very much sort of like The Last of Us focuses more on the human element and kind of what happens when people are faced with extreme circumstances and the way that we in our society will often divide in the face of adversity instead of come together. I think that is something we continually see happening um, with events in the world. So, you know, that's one of the reasons that I just think it's, um, it's a really thoughtful film and also entertaining, right? Like also a zombie action film. And I am the lead in it with, uh, with a bunch of just really, really incredible, incredible actors, um, like Jeremy Holm and Corbin Burnson, who baseball fans might know from the major. League. Oh yeah. Yeah. And my dad in the movie. Yeah. So that was really fun getting to work with him. And, uh, Timothy V. Murphy is in it and Amanda Fuller and, uh, Mitzi Akaha is uh is the actor who plays my wife and she is just like brilliant brilliant in the film so it's it's a it's a really exceptional cast from i think two really really smart and 
and hardworking and brilliant up and coming young filmmakers. And, uh, and so I would encourage everybody to, to go see it because that's what we definitely need at this time of year. It's like, uh, a zombie movie. <laughs> it's awesome. And so we're going to talk about Aaron Knoll, but like, but before we do, you know, I, I told you earlier this year, I got a chance to sit down a little bit with, with Aaron and, and the last question that well, I said, you know, number one fan, Ellen Adair. And, uh, and then after they clinched against the Marlins, I was trying to corner him to once again, give a shout out to his number one fan. And so we're going to, I, I figured there's nobody better to talk. If we're going to do the case for Aaron Nola, there's no better to, person to do it. But I'll say this. like, So if Aaron Nola was sitting here or any baseball player, they would be, they would have 50 questions for you about the making of Herd, about Herd, about all of this. So I'm going to play the role of Aaron Nola. And I'm just going to say, I, I I don't want to talk about baseball. I don't want to talk about my free oh, no. agency. I don't no no, but we'll, we'll talk about Aranola. We're gonna flip the script in a second. Great. But I'm Aranola and I'm like, I'm just worn out by it. I want to hear about Herd and I and I want to hear about what was unique about filming it. Like you said, you're the lead. So yeah. like so you've done a lot of great things. What was unique about this, about doing this film? I mean, I think some of it was just the incredible belief that I had in the importance of the story that we were telling. And I also think some of it was how much I identified with the character, which is not to say that we're exactly the same, but it's just that the the very first time I read the script, I had this strong sense of sort of where the character lived in me and kind of like the way in which I feel like this is very much the the my process as an actor, particularly for on camera things where um, the character you need to figure out how to make the very the character very close to you, even if they appear to be different. And I feel like one of the ways to do that is to kind of um, line up where the things are in your life with the things in their life, sort of like, here's a map of what I look like inside, right? Like what my psyche looks like. And here's a map of their psyche. And how can we kind of turn them so that like this place that where if you poke them, it hurts them. I know where that same place is for me. And so I feel like the way that I was sort of able to figure out how all of those things are even if they're not the same, like, for example, my dad is one of my favorite people. And so Jamie, um, my character does not have a great relationship with her dad. And so it's not that exact thing, but I was able to find like a different thing. So I think like the closeness of the character and how much I actually feel like I got to express about myself in the character um, was one of the things. And then another thing was just like, it was, it was a really, really beautiful experience with very special people um everybody doing this as a labor of love you know it's an indie film which is why i've been working so hard to try to talk about it you know because it doesn't have a big promotional budget and i think that when people watch it they think that it cost a lot more than it actually did just because of um, how good the filmmaking is and how smart the people are who made it um but it was just a really incredible experience in having the community, we shot it in Poplar Bluff, Missouri, having the community really rally around the filmmaker, um, the filmmaker, one of, one of whom, Stephen Pierce, came from that area to like, you know, donate locations and like the background actors that we had were really great. And so I think there was this real 
um, just experience of making the film surrounded by a lot of excitement and a lot of love. And I feel like even working on bigger projects where everybody's excited to be there and, you know, everybody loves it and believes in it. Like that is not the gasoline that is powering the engine of the thing. Whereas I feel like very much the gasoline that was powering the engine of making this movie was love for everybody across the board. And so that made it really special. That's awesome. And so I have to ask, you said Corbin Burnson is your dad. I mean, I know that you, you, we've, I think we've talked about this before when you get on sets there's some baseball. T- you 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 seek out the baseball people, right? And I don't know even if Corbett's a baseball person. I know he played a character in a baseball movie, so I don't know if you're like, yeah, you know, why did you have that clause put in your in your contract, your character's contract in Major League that said, what, I forget what it was. He, but I was like, oh, he ran up to the manager and said, I I do not have to field ground balls. <laughs> in major league but i don't know if you talked to talk to him about anything baseball i you know we did talk a little bit about we didn't specifically i mean i i certainly i'm i'm immediately outed as a baseball fan for like yeah. always <laughs> wearing and owning baseball paraphernalia like you just like it's just a statistical truth that um i mean for example right now like i'm intentionally wearing an aaron nola shirt but like <laughs> I, I'm wearing a Phillies hoodie and that's just a coincidence. I'm sitting on a cushion that's a Phillies cushion. Like it's just, it's what it's going to be. So, um, so yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't really hide from him in that regard, nor, I mean, I actually sort of wanted to. I was like, I'm going to play it cool. I'm not going to talk about it. But then, yeah, like I just immediately got into it. And, um, and like we did, we did talk, we did talk a little bit about just like how much fun he had filming those movies. And for me, some of the things that I was curious about or like some of the bits that I had, I was like, that was your idea, right? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> so like, especially in, in, I feel like, you know, Major League is such a wonderful movie and Major League Two has so many great moments. And then Major League Three is like really the moments that are great are the Corbin Burnson moments. And so that like, it really sticks out to you that like, he was the one who was like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to decide to like lean on this fence and then have an opinion about like, did the fence do something to my jacket? <laughs> um, and, and working with him on set, it was really amazing because he is such a natural comedian. Um, you know, the, the movie that we were working on, not necessarily a comedy but he was always kind of like in the way that i feel like a comedian is always kind of testing the boundaries of their environment to be like Mm -hmm. what can i do that's going to be like fun and unexpected you know what i mean like you know just kind of like is there a can that i can decide to kick you know like that kind of a thing um and and there were a few times where you know i was watching him sort of do flashback things none of this is spoilery and like i was like this is actually funny to me like he's just funny in an actor way like his choice is so good and so specific and like yeah i remember this one time he just started singing row 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 your boat that didn't make it into the movie um but but i was like what a great choice what a great choice but you know it's it's, it all comes back to being quick you know whether it's you know whether it's it's being a comedian or, or, or being able to adjust, I would imagine in a scene, any kind of scene, if, if they're quick, you know, they're going to usually be funny in some sense. 
Um, which, by the way, it's it, it, in terms of baseball, when I interview players, this is what I appreciate the best interviews is when they tell you something or they react to or they answer the question in a way that you do not expect, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. those are the always the best ones. And um, you know, I the guy a guy for the Red Sox, Tristan Cassis, is that way. Joey Vado's was that way. Joey Vado was that Joey way. Joey Vado's the king of that. Right. Yeah. Joey Vado was I I'm gonna say was the, the most so we've had him on the podcast twice. And I wanna say it was the most uncomfortable, but that doesn't mean it was bad. So it, it, he made me he basically put like as an actor, you could appreciate this. He pushed me to be better. You know, he didn't just accept the the question. If he's like, well, what? Like I said, hey, look, hey, why isn't baseball boring? Look at this, Justin Turner. He's wearing a baseballs are boring T-shirt. Well, he shouldn't have to wear that. I mean, he shouldn't have to wear that. But it's like, and then he goes on for five minutes about why he shouldn't have to wear it. And uh, so, anyway, that's just my long-winded way of saying I, I can appreciate like what what Corbin Burnson, what who he is, what you are as an actor, and you know, and and everything that went into the film. So, yeah, there. yeah, Joey Votto like is just so demonstrably, I would say, more intelligent than the rest of us. Yes, <laughs> right, yeah, it's like a. Why would you even ask a question like that? Because I'm, you know, solving the mysteries of the universe using <laughs> advanced mathematics in my free time. You know what I mean? Like, oh my gosh, just absolutely the most. Well, we we did we had, the first one we had on was he talked about chess. Um, this was the last offseason, yes. and the obvious question, Alan, was, well, how does you relate chess to baseball? You quit you the court, and it was just. That was SmackDown. It's not. It's not. It's not. Baseball's checkers. It's not chess. Like, okay, uh, okay. And then, but then, but then he goes on for five minutes. So anyway, I'm not here. Joey Votto is a whole other podcast. Um, and I do, uh, to, to, to ease into baseball, I do also want to ask you, uh, you are you are aligned with with something would make holiday holiday gifts. Oh my goodness! I can't believe. <sighs> I, I, can you believe it? Like can, like it's you know here. what? Yeah, you know what's weird, Ella, is that the Dominican. I don't know if you saw the Dominican. Some of the Dominican teams were playing. I didn't. I didn't. I mean, I knew they were, but I didn't get to watch any of the games. No, I was. Uh, if this is like our last gasp of feeling that that. That it's not winter. It's seeing these guys play at City Field. And by the way, what would be 450 foot home runs or 310 foot pop ups now because the air is so cold and thick. Yeah. So, but anyway, anyway, tell me, tell me, I've been wondering besides uh, obvious book choices, tell me, tell and t shirt choices, and t shirt choices, yeah. tell me the perfect holiday gift. Yeah, well, I do baseball drawings by commission. Um, and I i mean, I will draw anything. I have also drawn like, you know, people's childhood house or their cats or, you know, their spouse and them for their anniversary, whatever. Um, but I would say my niche is that I do love to draw baseball players because they're the most beautiful. And so at this point, I do have a number of 
prints available of like, you know, drawings that I've already done. So those are like immediately available to ship out. I might have another couple of slots for like new original commissions that I can get out in time for the holidays. Um, but certainly the prints um, are available and I do not have it up on my website yet. But just to tease for baseball fans who are happy with the result of the last World Series, I have a very excellent Corey Seager home Ooh. run print coming out like in the next couple of days. So yeah, so that's something specifically to look for. And then I have a bunch of other things on my website, which the easiest way to get there is probably just to go to elenadare.com. And then if you scroll all the way down to the bottom, you'll see a thing that says visual art website. And there's like a, a picture of um, the, the Cubs 2016 celebration. And if you click on that, that'll take you to my drawings website. Honestly, that sounds awesome. And I, I, the Corey Seager one, I can't wait to see. I just it's it's I think it's going to be pretty good. I mean, I'm almost done with it. So, yeah, I think it's going to be pretty good. It's it's that's and by the way, like for it's also the sweet side. Anytime your team wins a World Series like this is how can you not want everything about that team? Everything. Yeah. Yeah. This is perfect. Oh, I can't wait. I'm going to tell like everyone down. I love it. Um, Please do. Oh, yeah. And so so when you talk about it, it. on the website, so last year what we did, uh, this is before actually Baseball and Boring Isn't Boring podcast started. I was doing the Red Sox podcast. We did a um, Xander Bogarts, uh, I don't want to say it GoFundMe, but it's it, like it's basically save, save. It's it basically people contributed to keep Xander Bogarts there. So this is an idea. This is, again, this is segueing to what we're talking about. If you want to put on elenadare.com uh, a button, keep Aaron Nola. Keep Aaron you know, Nola. Keep, keep Aaron Nola here. This is this maybe a dollar. Dollars add up. Next thing you know, maybe it puts Dave Dombrowski and company over the top. I don't know. But what I was thinking of starting this series of the case for dot, 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 free agency. And I wanted to start with Aaron Nola. And I'm like, there's only one person. And, and I'm not just saying this because you're you're a fan, Ellen, but because you're a highly educated, highly insightful. It's kind of like baseball now, right? Where we can merge the analytics and the emotion. There it is. And that's what we're talking about. That's you. That's your, your plea for. So all I'm going to say is this. I guess this is where I'll, I'll start it. The case for Aaron Nola. You're, I, I'm Dave Dombrowski. I'm Dave Dombrowski. And I just saw Dave wearing a nice windbreaker and got at the GM meetings. Did he but get I'm, sick? No. We didn't even, know, we didn't even know about that. Like, like, we didn't know. Like, we're around. The, yeah, it was. It was kind of crazy, it, but uh, yeah, no, but I sat in on all about 20 minutes of Dave. Um, so actually, that was the first time he said Bryce Harper was going to play first base, and that was a big thing. But I'm Dave Dabrowski. You're talking to me. I'm on the fence about Aaron Nola. Aaron Nola, Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery. Give me the case. Give me the case Excellent. for Aaron Nola. Yes. Well, part part of what qualifies me for this is that I have played 
a large recurring guest star lawyer character twice yes. on two different television shows, right? So I feel very prepared to make the case for anything. I think that the first thing that I have to start with in my case for Aaron Nola is his exceptional durability. So since 2018, only Garrett Cole has pitched more innings than Aaron Nola. Aaron Nola has made the maximum number of starts for the last five years. That is crazy. I'm going to let that sink in, Dave. <laughs> that is 32 starts for the last three years. That was 12 in the shortened 2020 season. I'm trying to do my best Dave impression where I kind of like jet out the bottom lip when I'm really interested in something. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. You're doing okay. a great job. All You're right. doing a great job. Um, and then in 34 starts in 2019, which led all of baseball, and then 33 games in 2018. And he also pitched deep into the postseason twice. And his innings per game have been high, which is very important. It is an average of 6.1 innings per game over those years. So if, for example, you might be interested in Blake Snell instead, um, let me just say that makes me furious because he's never pitched more than 180 innings, which he's only done twice, by the way. And he hasn't even averaged five innings per game some years. Never mind the walk rate, which it seems like you don't care about, given your bullpen construction. Um, and I just don't understand the reports that you might like Snell better because he misses more bats. Like Nola isn't also a big strikeout pitcher. It's not like he's Miles Michaelis or something. Also... Aaron Nola's excellence. Aaron Nola actually has a better strikeout minus walk rate than Snell, which I think that's where the impact is. Over the past six seasons, Aaron Nola's strikeout minus walk rate is 12th best at 21.6%. If you're more interested in kind of more results-based stats, because over those six seasons, we are talking about a 3.65 ERA and a 1.09 whip. Yes, the ERA has fluctuated, but that is the 16th best whip for starters during that time. So my contention is not only are you getting that level of durability, but you are getting someone who is that good on a per inning basis, who is also giving you the most innings. That is what makes him absolutely elite in, in the company of Garrett Cole, who I mentioned earlier. So, if I may continue, Dave, is that all right? Yeah, 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 right. You, I, I'm fascinated by your case. I had not thought about any of this. So, go ahead. <laughs> I'm sure you had. <laughs> Please think about walk rate more, Dave. That's the main thing. Please. I will take that under advisement. Yes. Okay. I, I appreciate that. So, But you do realize that Craig Kimbrell is not going to be on our team next year. So, maybe yes. that will help. Yes, but Jose Alvarado will still uh, be there uh, fair, and fair. Gregory Soto will still be there. And so it's just like, don't get another guy with like a double digit walk, career walk rate. That's fair. my only request. Fair. Okay. So, right, go, go ahead. Continue. So granted, some of the variation in Nola's career comes from the fact that he is a command pitcher and his success hinges on how well he's commanding the fastball. And that is what I think was going on in 2021 a little bit. But his arsenal's really excellent. And his command is really excellent. So his arsenal is headlined by the curveball, which, I don't know if you knew, had the best swing percentage on pitches out of the zone of any curveball in baseball this year at 48%. And this year, Nola threw the curve more than any other pitch, and it still performed that well. It was still fooling batters at that rate. And then he's got his four-seam fastball and the two-seam fastball, which are also both excellent pitches. So despite, as I know you know, 
the forcing fastball only being around 93 miles an hour, which would be in the 27th percentile of fastball velocity. Nola's fastball is in the 88th percentile for CSW, which is called strikes plus whiffs at an excellent 32%. So CSW, you probably don't know this, Dave, was created by my friends at Pitcher List because of Aaron Nola, because of the consistently high percentage of called strikes on his fastball over his career. It's also worth noting that his four seam is 90th percentile in expected batting average against, that is in the top 10% of fastballs, despite being in the bottom 27% in terms of velo, and despite the curveball really being the star of the show. Then we also have the two-seamer. And what I love so much about the two-seamer, I know you know this, but just allow me to geek out for a second, is that it has this little zip where it cuts back in arm side. And, you know, I call it a two-seamer. I refuse to call it a sinker because it really doesn't have much horizontal movement. It's mostly vertical movement. And this pitch gets a spectacular number of called strikes. It's been better in other years than this past one, but it's still 82, uh, 82nd percentile for called strikes on two seamers. And he often uses it as a kind of backdoor two seam to righties. But my friend Nick Pollock of Pitcher List, who I mentioned, is constantly asking, imploring the universe why Nola won't use it as an inside pitch to jam righties. So, I feel like if he uses it in both ways, there is even a higher ceiling for this pitch than we have seen so far, um, particularly because this year he did seem to throw it inside more than other years. And I mean, just a sidebar, if I could ask Aaron Nola a question, it would oh, be Oh, no, like, wait, 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 because uh, this, I'm is, gonna save this, that is, for later. this is part of the surprise is that once myself, Dave Dombrowski leaves a room. Aaron Nola is coming in and you're going to make the plea to Aaron Nola himself. So go ahead, okay. continue. All right. Amazing. All right. So I, I'll, I'll, I'll say, well, that's just, that's actually just like an, like a, a, a fan process question that I've always yeah. been curious about. Um, so I have been wondering why the changeup hasn't been as good since 2020. Um, when it was spectacular. And my understanding is that the changeup was this phenomenal pitch for him as a young pitcher, and he actually had it before developing the curveball, the star of the show. But it did seem like in 2021, the 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 changeup was landing up too much. Um, and that had to do with some of the sort of like less good results that he had in this year. But but this year, he was actually very good at getting it down and I don't know why, for that reason, it was not quite as successful in terms of getting swinging strikes or ground balls. Um, but I think in the case for Aaron Nola, if there is some way that this pitch could regain its former effectiveness, it would be incredible, especially since the cutter, the Cotham cutter um, that he first introduced in 2021 has really grown up. So he doesn't use it very often, only 7% of the time. But this year, it had an 18.7% swinging strike rate. That is in the 90th percentile for cutters. And it's even better on swings outside the zone for a cutter. So if that pitch keeps growing in usage, even like 10 to 12, 15%, he could be better than we've ever seen. So maybe he throws the two-seamer into righties, or maybe he keeps attacking the glove side part of the zone with both the cutters and the two-seamers, and it's like, you can't even know if it's going to be a pitch that swerves in or swerves out. This is the vision that I see for Aaron Nola. So the question is, what was up with this year? Because I certainly was baffled with with the inconsistency that we saw from Nola this year, particularly when I couldn't see a reason for it, 
like I could in 2021 in terms of like the pitch locations in the zone. And obviously something that I think many people speculated about was that he was having a hard time adjusting to the pitch clock, which I empathize with as, as somebody who, who also feels like when I get rushed, I get crazy. Yes. But something that he discovered late in the year, which I know you know about, Dave, um, was that after the last start in St. Louis that wasn't as great, that he was turning his body too much to keep an eye on one of the pitch clocks. And the result, that he was slightly twisted and throwing across his body too much. That is how I understand it. So like sort of too much of the bad kind of torque. And he adjusted to looking at a different pitch clock so that he wouldn't have to do that. And then he had six really great starts, two in the regular season and four in the postseason before his last start. So if I may make a case for that final start, versus the Arizona Diamondbacks. I don't think that start was as bad as it's made out to be in terms of his skills. So if you're looking at, and, and thank you, this is this is the sound effect that I wanted for this particular part <laughs> of good. my, yeah, of my argument. Um, if you're looking at the pitch locations, so the Lourdes Gurriel homer, that two seam was way inside. It was almost on the edge of the strike zone. And the Marte triple was up and inside on the edge of the zone. It was a good pitch. So yes, the fam homer was on a curveball that didn't get far enough down. And the Longoria double was, that was some mistake pitch. But I think you can grant any pitcher a couple of mistake pitches in a start. And it wasn't catastrophic in the way the story of the postseason is painting it from a skills perspective, from a perspective of what could we predict out of this performance, out of these kinds of pitches. So I'm fully willing to believe that there was a mechanical issue that was plaguing him this year and he figured out what it was and he has corrected that and we are going to see uh, more of the sort of... Uh, 2018, 2020, and 2022, Aaron Nola in 2024. Because also, if you're into trends and magical thinking, Dave, since 2017, Aaron Nola is always awesome in even years. So as, as I mentioned, the overall stats are great, but in 2018, 2020, and 2022, he finished top 10 in Cy Young voting. So it was third in 2018, fourth in 2022. He is going to be amazing in 2024 by the rule of Aaron Nola. And you're going to be so happy if you have him on your team. And you're going to be so sad and heartbroken if you see him being awesome on another team. And so that is my case for Aaron Nola. Well, Ellen, before I let Aaron in the room, I'll step out. Um, I have only one request in, in exchange for me just soaking in that information, many of much of it, I really didn't know. I thought I knew, but I didn't know all of it. Um, my only request is please do not let his agent get a hold of what you just said, because then the price will be doubled because it was such a good case. I know the case, but just give us a break. Give us a little bit of a break. Don't let the agent get it because. I want to sign him back now. I really want to sign him. I don't care about I, what. And you know, Ellen, I'm Dave Dombrowski. If I want a guy, I'm getting him. Yeah. I'm I know this him. about you, Dave. It's yes. one of my favorite things about you. <laughs> yes. So, all right. So we just have to agree. Just do not let the agents add that to their scrap, their Aaron Noah <laughs> scrapbook. All I right. mean, the main thing is I really just don't want anybody from Atlanta listening to what <laughs> I just said. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, unfortunately, Alex Anthopoulos is a friend of the program. But, you oh, know, no. we'll, we'll oh, distract no. him. We, 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 we always are able to distract him with his love for ketchup-flavored potato chips, um, being Canadian. So that all we have to do is bring that up, and he loses all train of thought. So we get that figured out. All right. Oh, yeah. Now I am Marinola. I've just stepped in the room. This maybe is a little less data-driven, but more of just a passion plea that you just want to keep rooting for Aaron Nola, myself. Um, Alan, I've heard what a big fan you are of me. Um, you were on the baseball isn't, or I was on the baseball isn't boring podcast declaring that. And I just appreciate all your support, but you have to understand this is my big chance. This is my big chance for free agency. This is my big chance to make for my payday. Um, I'm a Southern guy. This is maybe my chance to go south, but I I can be swayed. So the floor is yours. Sway me. Aaron Nola, would you like me to continue to be alive? <laughs> because if you sign with Atlanta, I, I'm going to, you know, douse myself in lighter fluid and light myself on fire because I cannot live to see that. That is the worst possible baseball outcome that I could possibly imagine. It would even be better if you were to sign with either the New York teams because then I'd get to see you pitch all the time. It would hurt. But just like, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm going off script here. Like, please don't sign with Atlanta. I don't, I don't think I can survive that. I just genuinely think I'll like walk off the fire escape. Please don't do that. Please don't do that to me. Look, it's, I know, I know about you, Aaron, that you have really valued your time with the Phillies. And I know that you value the, the camaraderie and the, you know, kiss, the, the cheek kissing, uh, love, that is shared amongst the Phillies and that if the Philadelphia Phillies make you even a decently fair offer that that you're not just going to go to somewhere else just because they offered you another like two million dollars or something like that. I know that. So in some ways, I'm just appealing to that part of your nature to just not I know I here's 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 what I have to say. I know that the Phillies are lowballing you, but just don't take it personally, right? Like still be willing to look at all of the different options and see are it, are the Phillies offering you something that is a, that is at least competitive with your other deals? And if so, please stay with the Phillies because otherwise like I'm not going to be around anymore. Um so not not to not to blackmail you in that particular way but just but just to be like don't let the fact that the phillies are not getting just like out of the gate being like yeah absolutely obviously we're going to give you whatever you deserve embitter you against the possibility that that their their deal might be you know pretty much competitive with somebody else's and then in that case i hope you will um stay with the fans who love you so much and see can i can i ask aaron nola some questions oh yeah sure i mean i i feel like uh that's the least i can do for for you being such a good fan 
Well, well, I mean, I you might not be able to answer them, but like it just the thing that I was talking about earlier, here's the questions that I've always wanted to be able to ask Aaron Nola. I mean, well, I guess one of them is this year, and that is the thing that I was alluding to earlier. Like, are you specifically thinking about using the two-seamer to kind of like jam righties inside as well as as a like backdoor two-seamer, won't say sinker. Um, that's one of my questions. And then my other question is that it has just always plagued me. Like, is this correlation but not causation? Did developing the cutter, of course, you know, a cut fastball, have anything to do with affecting the your feel for the four-seamer and even potentially the changeup in 2021? I've just always really wanted to know that. Or like, to, to what degree like do you feel developing a new pitch sometimes has an effect on other pitches i guess would be a a, a broader question so ellen the I, I, I i vow to you i vow to you as president of baseballs and board the president of the baseballs and boring corporation that if not this off season by the time spring training ends no matter where Aaron Nola is I will either arrange for you to ask those questions in person or we will get those questions answered. Yes. I, I vow to you. That's my dream. I vow to you. I mean, if I I should have like done it in the playoffs, to be perfectly honest with you. My bad. I thought I thought maybe I was going to be able to do it at the World Series media availability, but that didn't happen. But it's but I vow that's that's neither here nor there. That's gonna happen. Because they're good questions. They're good questions. They're really good questions. So. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, as as uh, as as you know, Rob, uh, I did get to meet Aaron, and I was just like, so subsequently, I've had so much like, oh, well, that's the question that I wanted to ask Aaron Nola, and I didn't ask him. So I know, but I've this had has a lot to be of- like a formal, arranged sit down. Um, I feel the same way. Like I, I don't know if I told you. Like we all have those moments, right? And for me, it was Eddie Vedder. It was, you know, instead of thanking him for my father-daughter dance song, I blab about T-shirts, you know? So, so, um, yeah. So I, I vow to you that that will happen. And by the way, so you said you played a lawyer two different times. Is that correct? I did. I was, I was a, a like recurring lawyer on Bull. Yeah. And, um, also on the NBC miniseries, The Slap, which that was like my first big television role. Okay. All right. So I, you were very good at it. That's why I asked. So I, was, I, I mean, that was, that was really, really good. I um, wasn't even trying to go full lawyer on it. I was, no, uh, but, but, but I, sometimes that's the most effective, right? So, <laughs> hey, 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 Jerry, it's just us talking. Dave, it's just us talking. It's just couple, us talking. A couple yeah. baseball fans. Ah, well, I, I mean, you just, you bring a smile to my face, Helen. I got to be honest with you. It's just like, you bring a smile to my face, Rob. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's a lot of fun at this talk. And, and also now I have a very real, very real goal amongst many goals, but I do think that we can make this happen because I did feel like when I did mention that to Nola, that time I sat down with him, he was, he was very, you know, he's a very soft spoken guy, right? He's he's but you could tell he brightened up because it's, he's a human being. The fandom, when people are fans of you and people are show loyalty to you, like he appreciates that. And he also knew. I mean, he knew 
about your fandom. So uh, we got to take that to the next level and actually have a sit down. I was going to say, every time I mention a sit down, I think Frost Nixon, but it doesn't have to be Frost Nixon. So, <laughs> yeah, let's not, not, no, not, no. not those vibes. No, yes. no, it's just, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm terrible at now. Roy Firestone, but you don't want to make him cry. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I am wearing my live every day like it's Nola Day shirt. Uh, well, I have so, two of those, so, but. but uh, <laughs> and I have my Aaron Nola cup. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah. So Just good. ready to it's be so like, good. well, Dave. <laughs> perfect, perfect. I just needed a drink. I just yeah. needed a sip of water. I mean, I don't know. I yeah. just happened to be here. I uh, just happened to be here. What a coincidence. All right. Heard. Go watch it right now. Go yes, watch it right it's now. It's on Amazon and on Apple TV. Yeah. And if it. you enjoy the movie, um, please give us a rating on IMDb. Okay. Um, because uh, some some folks who are angry that it's you know a queer character, uh, queer couple at the center of the film have been you know trolling it and giving it low ratings for that reason. Well, we're gonna give it the highest star rating it can because I know it's first of all. I'm not. I'm not trying to stuff the ballot box, right? Like no, if you I, if you don't like the movie, that's okay. But listen, like if you do like it and you want to do something nice for an indie film where you know those kinds of ratings but, really matter. Uh, but I think first of all, I think first of all, it's a great idea. It's well executed. It's it's. Uh, everything about it is is good, and and also including, by the way, uh, the image that you portray of the entire community getting around a film. Like I can appreciate that, like the and how much that means to the community, how much it means to like actually to execute a film like that, an independent film, and have it come out in in such a, a high level fashion. With uh, those those people take pride in it. My, I don't know if you ever remember, this is way back, the movie The Crucible with Daniel Day-Lewis. I do. I remember that movie well, yeah. Yeah. So that was filmed near where I grew up, and my dad was an extra in it. And to this day, I mean, there's a very strong likelihood that my dad is going to portray himself as an actor because he, they put a wig on him and said, hang the witches in the background at the courthouse. So, Yeah. But he's amazing. But but that my point is is that it, this movie means a lot to a lot of people, and we shouldn't forget that. And it's, and it's also excellent. So yes, IMDb, and and the Corey Seager print. And look for the Corey Seager print. I'm, yep, I should I'm, be posting it on my Twitter, which is at Ellen underscore Adair in the next awesome. couple of days. Awesome. It's, how, how many? Just out of curiosity, so do you have a limit of how many? Corey Seager prints we can buy? I I will have a set number that I will make at the end of the week, but part of my thought is like if if I get orders this week for them, I might make a few more. I mean, but I, the most prints that I've ever made has been like 30, right? So okay. like it is a small number of prints. It is a it is a an exclusive number. And then after that there is no more. Okay. So, well, you know, here's here's I, I, I am going to buy one, and here's just who I'm going to tell you right now who I'm got buying it for. I'm buying it for John Daniels. So John Daniels, who he he was on the he was very nice. He came on baseballs and boring right before the World Series. He was like one of the very few interviews he did. Might have been the only interview he did. Um, and I am just so sympathetic to John Daniels right now. And I talked to him at the GM meetings. 
about this is a guy who put together 80% of that team. Probably, you know, certainly position players and certainly the the most important player there was in Corey Seager. Mm-hmm. He got there and he had to sit. He couldn't, and he told me, he's like, he couldn't even watch it. You know, mm-hmm. he's living 20 minutes away. It's tough. Yeah. But I just want, because I told him when I saw him in the GM meetings, I don't think I'm telling tales out of school, but I said, listen, you got the guy who literally won the World Series for you. And that was Corey Seager. And I feel like this is going to be a great gift for him. Oh, yay. Oh, that's really sweet. Yeah. yeah. I would, I, it would mean, um, I would be very honored for him to have one. Well, thank you. Thank you for all that you do, Alan. I appreciate it. Thank you for all that you do. You're awesome.